You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Big Sunday show. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Plenty to uh, talk about as I am with you here for the next uh, two and a half hours. So the number, of course, you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer, but more importantly, Right here until Islanders hockey. Islanders lightning game one. Uh, it used to be called the conference finals. Now it seems like they're, they want it to be called the Stanley Cup semifinals, which is weird because they call the Stanley Cup finals the Stanley Cup final. So shouldn't it be the Stanley Cup semifinal? It's very confusing. But uh, we'll see. The Islanders, not very often. You get that second crack against the same team this two years in a row. So we'll see if they can uh, pick up a big win today. This afternoon, we'll have the game for you right here on 98.7 FM ESPN New York. And, of course, Islanders. I guess it's not really just the Islanders, but the Islanders have won games on the road, right? Won game one against the, pe- uh, against the Penguins on the road, right? Won games one and five, I think it was. And then they won two and five against the Bruins. So we'll see. Uh, nothing like uh, getting a nice little road win to open up a series. So Islanders lightning and uh, the pregame right here, 2.30. But, of course, we have lots to talk about. Until then, we get the Nets-Bucks game for today. And i, I got to be honest, I'm very surprised with the amount. I, I look, maybe it's just concocted. Maybe it's just um, you have to do something. But I'm surprised with the amount of, well, you know, the Nets, this is their test. Here it comes. If the Nets are a great team, they have to win this game. And I'm, I'll be honest with you, the, being that the, the line is uh, Nets minus one and a half, a little surprising to me. But we'll get into that as we move along here on 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. We've got the Mets, speaking of just moving right along, flying along. Another perf- uh, fantastic performance from uh, Marcus Stroman yesterday. Another win against the Padres. And don't look now, but the Braves are six games back. You know, the Yankees are seven and a half games out of first place, and maybe it's because I'm a Yankee fan, but that's their season feels like it is completely over. Six games back is a on June 13th or whatever. Did I say 13th? 13th. Whatever it is, that's a sizable amount of games, especially when the Braves, it's not, again, like they had like one bad stretch and they're still kind of digging their way out of it. They have played as a kind of 500 team every month of the season so far. So don't look now. Maybe the Mets are starting to really solidify their position atop the NL East. And it's not like there's a whole bunch of contenders trying to come up and get them. Mets are eight games over. Braves are three games under. You know, despite how the Phillies were able to beat the Yankees yesterday, they played as a 500 team. So certainly good stuff with the Mets that we have to talk about. We'll get into another twist in the Aaron Rodgers saga because it feels like every like three weeks, every like 17 days, there has to be another plot point in the the battle between those two sides. So we'll get to touch on that too. But you know, let's start with the Yankees because if you wanted a game, if you wanted a visual uh, piece of evidence of what summed up the Yankee season, yesterday was it. Facing off against the Phillies, game starts as a disaster. Yankees give you some hope late. You think, all right, just when you start to believe, you have that belief snatched away from you and immediately flushed right down the toilet where it feels like this Yankee season is headed as well. We are now 64 games into the season and the Yankees 
are two games over 500, and that's not a fluke. They have played as a 500 team for the most part this year. They are now seven and a half games behind the Rays. They're five games behind the Red Sox. And I think that you would have to say at this point, so far with what you have seen through more than a quarter of the season, the Yankees are not a good team. It's not a fluke anymore, right? You can't be surprised when the same things happen time and time again. So let's start with yesterday before we get to the broader picture. Let's start small and then we'll go big. We'll start with Jamison Tyone because he's the guy who started the game. Now, you might have missed it because he wasn't there for long. He threw 34 pitches, gave up four runs, and got one out. So now, one of the Yankees' offseason acquisitions, which they didn't have a lot of, has an ERA of 5.74. There are 26 pitchers in the American League who have made 12 starts this year. Only two have higher ERAs than Jamison Tyone. He does not pitch deep into games. Like, if he goes five innings, that's like, whoa, he went five innings. That's about, I think he's gone more than like five and a third once the entire season. He doesn't really show any signs of progress. And it's pretty consistent. He's able to get two strikes on guys and can't finish anybody off. And when you're taking a look at this Yankee team where, I mean, the holes are just about everywhere. You can't afford to have someone who is, um, underperforming to such a degree like Jamison Tyone is. Now, it's not like the Yankees don't have other areas, and we'll get into those other areas, where just simply, like, league average production would be a huge jump from what they are actually getting. And at least so far, you, you knew with Tyone coming off the injury there was going to be a bit of an adjustment period. But, you know, again, we're into June now, and there doesn't seem to be any signs of progress, and it feels like... And correct me if I'm wrong, 1-800-919-ESPN. It feels like that this will turn out to be another one of the failed starting pitching acquisitions by Brian Cashman. And boy, oh boy, is that a long list. Now, I do have to give Tyone credit for one thing. After the game, he, he did not use any excuses in terms of uh, his injury or coming off Tommy John surgery. He said that, that his performance yesterday was embarrassing and actually said that he knows he is healthy and healthier than he's been in a long time, and he's actually kind of surprised he's not better than what he is and that the health thing is not the problem. And it's nice to actually hear, you know, read quotes from someone associated with the Yankees that's not all like rosy picture and looking at the positives, the glass is half full, and don't worry, the sun will come out tomorrow. But in terms of the game yesterday, right, Yankees actually did rally which they really didn't do earlier on in the season. It felt like when the Yankees got down, they stayed down. At least yesterday, you did get a little bit of fight. DJ LeMayhew with the big home run to tie the game. And maybe even more shocking was the fact that before LeMayhew hit the home run, Brett Gardner and Tyler Wade both got on base. I know. Miracles do happen. And, and the Phillies' bullpen has been, you know, well-documented, has been awful. So LeMayhew hammers one, a guy whose power has been non-existent so far this year. So maybe, you know, a home run. You're, you're, you're pulling at strings if you're a Yankee fan at this point, and you're just hoping that one of these strings that you pull eventually leads to something good. But, of course, yesterday didn't lead to anything good because you moved ahead to the 10th inning, and the disaster that Chapman had on Thursday night continued yesterday, has an error, and long story short, Yankees lose in 10-8-7. And it really just came down to yesterday, as it does come down to many times, 
it was execution. Yankees could not uh, do anything after the home run in the ninth inning. They couldn't execute in the top of the tenth inning, and the Phillies did. And there you go. There's your ball game. So for the longest period of time this season, it was about the hitting with the Yankees. They are starting to see some glimmers of hope in terms of the lineup. But, of course, as we've been saying for a while, or at least I've been saying for a while, you know, even if and when the lineup kind of turns around, Generally, bad teams, it's not generally just one thing all the time. Now, early in the season, it was primarily the Yankees' uh, offense that cost them. Defense wasn't great. The base running has been horrendous as well. But most of all, it was the offense. So now that maybe the offense is starting to show some signs of life, you know, you've seen regression in the, uh, in the pitching staff, in the rotation, the bullpen, which had been dominant, has now given it up. Chapman has given it up here. And I think it just comes down to the fact that the Yankees are not a very good baseball team. So you have all that going on yesterday. And as if bad results weren't enough, Yankees also got some bad luck and some bad timing. What a combo. Because as if that was not bad enough, you got the news that um, Luis Severino yesterday forced to leave his rehab start with, I haven't seen any terms of it, but it was a groin injury. I haven't seen what the degree of, but uh, if you saw the video, he was doubled over in pain, had to be kind of helped off the field by two people. And again, I haven't seen uh, what degree or what range that groin injury is. I don't know how they, they determine these things, but I would, see, I would say it was the most severe, right? It looked like uh, it wasn't just like, you remember when Harden left uh, game one and he was able to walk off the court and then you found out, oh, it was, a, it was a hamstring injury. This was not that. This was, you could tell that he was in some distress. So you'd have to think that any uh, plan to see Luis Severino, even in July, has now been pushed back. So... Uh, I know that you would never know it by, the, uh, by listening to the, the manager after the game. I'm starting to think the Yankee postgame show should be brought to you by Kool-Aid because, I mean, the amount of positivity, the good at-bats, the, the, the compete level is very high. I have confidence in our guys. The answers never change, and uh, it's, it's hard to expect the results to change at any point because the answers are staying the same. And a perfect example is the Yankees have said, uh, you know, in terms of plans, that they have plans to have uh, Giancarlo Stanton playing in the outfield again at some point. And um, it's pretty clear, well, that will not be this weekend. And you'd have to say, if it's not happening this weekend, well, then you don't have – Giancarlo Stanton is never going to play the outfield again, or at least clearly not this season. Um, If he's not playing in these two games – then you have ruled out him playing the outfield ever again. Uh, clearly, when you could use his bat, clearly he just had a good series uh, in Minnesota. And you're watching the season slip away. So the Yankees could just admit now what we all know is that for the next seven years, Giancarlo Stanton is going to be a DH. Because taking a look at the Yankee lineup today, if you thought things were bad before, if I have painted a negative picture to you so far, well, friends, I don't have any good news for you today. Because the lineup today, and I'm not generally, up until this year, I was not generally one who would pick apart the Yankee lineup. uh, Because when you have success, you build up some reservoir of trust. But when you're playing as poorly as the Yankees have, and has made as many questionable decisions as they have, have made, you have to start looking at things with a different eye, I think. So today, you have the Yankees and the Phillies going at it once again down in Philadelphia. Keep in mind... Yankees had Friday off. They have tomorrow off, which clearly at this point have been the two best days of the week if you're a Yankee fan. 
At least you don't have to watch it. Um, they have LeMahieu and Glaber hitting one, two. And then in the three hole today, they have Rugnit Odor. It almost feels like they're, they're kind of trolling us. I mean, under what set of circumstances would Rugnit Odor be batting third? Now, you might be saying to yourself, shouldn't Judge be hitting second or third somewhere? Where's Judge hitting? Well, he's not. So for the third time in now five days, the Yankees' clear best hitter, the guy who's kind of been carrying the offense all season long in Aaron Judge, is going to be off. In a series where Giancarlo Stanton is also not able to play. And you have Rugnit Odor batting third, a guy who does, does not hit for any average. What I mean, I think he's still under 200. He doesn't get on base, and he doesn't really even have any power. I mean, his slugging is probably like 360. He strikes out probably a quarter of his at-bats, and you have him batting third. It's almost like, you ever see like movie previews and it's like, from the people who brought you, dude, where's my car? From the people who brought you Aaron Hicks batting third, now Rugnit Odor is batting third. I mean, that makes absolutely no sense. Especially considering what you've seen from Andujar, even what you've seen from Sanchez. Just about anybody in the line. Well, I shouldn't say that because Frazier and Gardner are in the lineup. Just about anybody else. You you could put just about anybody else batting third, and it would make more sense than that. Combined with the fact that now is that today is a day where you're giving Aaron Judge a day off when he already had off Friday, is going to have off Monday. Boy, oh boy, the Yankees, they are an absolute mess. There's no other way to put it. Even for being two games under over 500, man, does it feel a whole lot worse than that. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. If you're watching this Yankees team, you're thinking to yourself, all right, well, well how, how are we going to move forward here, right? I mean, there are still 90-something games to go. How do the Yankees figure out a way to, to put something together and get moving in the right direction. After all, they keep having these good at-bats every single day. Their, their compete level is very, very high, according to the manager. Um, well, essentially, with six weeks to go before the trade deadline, the Yankees have six weeks to show anyone anywhere why they should not be sellers. Now, I pointed out in the past, there ain't a whole lot to sell off. But the idea of them being buyers is not happening. They have made it clear to you that they are not exceeding the luxury tax threshold. They are not going to spend any more than they already have on this team. And I don't know all the um, you know financial tricks that they might be able to pull in terms of trading away money to bring back money and stay roughly where they are, but they kind of have to roughly stay where they are because according to the numbers that I see, the luxury tax threshold is like 210 and I think the Yankees are at 208. So there's not a lot of wiggle room there. So it's pretty clear that the Yankees, it's up to the people basically that are on the team right now to figure it out. The Yankees are in an escape room. You ever see one of the, you ever do one of those things with your friends where you go and you have to solve the, the puzzles and, and figure it out? Nobody comes to help you. You have to do it yourself. That's what the Yankees are right now. Nobody is coming to help them. There's no cavalry riding to the rescue. There's no trades that they're making that are going to bring in this star or that star. It's essentially up to them to sink or swim. And at least so far, it looks like they're going to sink. It looks like they're going to sink. And 
I get it. You might look and say, you know what, Gordon, you said the team is bad. They're not a, well, they're not a good team, that's for sure. Why would they sink more good money after bad to try and fix the team? Well, with, with two areas of the team, they are just such glaring, gaping holes. First base and center field, they get absolutely zero. Zero out of either position. Now, the good news is the Yankees no longer have the worst center field production in baseball. Aha! See? And people say, I don't look on the bright side. It's now 29th. 29 out of 30. As a team, Yankee center fielders this year have hit 203, uh, an on-base of 299, and a slugging of 332 for an OPS of 631. That is abysmal. Of course, they have Rugnan Odor hitting third today, so and his OPS is probably about the same, so uh, who am I to judge? Uh, now, the bad news is that first base, they are now dead last. They used to be 29th. The Indians started using a first baseman, so all of a sudden the Yankees' production has dropped even lower than it are. Yankee first baseman this year, according to MLB.com, 171, uh, an on-base of 263 and a slugging of 267. They have an OPS of 530. First base, power position, the New York Yankees, the team of Gehrig and Mattingly and Tino and Giambi. Heck, Travis Hafner I would take right now at first base. It's been that bad. So I get it, right? They are not a good team. And you might think to yourself, well, you know, they already spent all this money. Why would they spend any more? Well, because this is the team that you, you could actually help improve in two most glaring areas. Now, I don't know when Luke Voigt is going to get back, but nobody's coming in center field to, to come and ride to the rescue. So you have to find something. You can't continue to just keep doing what you're doing out there and expecting it to click. And the fact that Esteban Florial has had, what, one game? One game. And you're getting the 29th worst production in center field. For them to say, well, we don't, just don't think that he's ready. Who is ready? I mean, how much worse could he possibly be? All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Let's get some calls in here because uh, I'm pulling my hair out. Frank is in New Rochelle. Frank, what's going Frank's on, pal? You're first up, ESPN New York. All right, how you doing, bud? You stole all my thunder. The fact uh, that Odor is batting third today is utterly ridiculous. Yeah. The fact that Judge is not in the lineup, resting Friday, off tomorrow, uh, last night in the 10th inning, they put a guy in second base, the new rules. Yeah. And uh, why don't they bunt? They, put well, they don't really have anybody to bunt. Third. Well, I mean, that's a problem. They, they lead the league in base-stealing snafus. That's coaching. I don't know. I know Boone's going to stay for the year. When they don't make the playoffs, he has to go. And Cashman's been here long enough. 20, 25 years, a great run. Time is up. This team is lifeless. This team has absolutely no heart, and I, I, could, I don't know. I am not smart enough to tell you why, but you watch the team, and they are what they are, about a 500 team with no mojo and no feeling that they can. All right, Frank, I think, Frank, we lost. Um, well, I would say, you know, the heart thing, I, that, I would agree with that during the, uh, for the most part this year, right? When they get down, they've stayed down. Yesterday, at least, they did show some heart. Uh, they did come back. They did tie the game after being down 4 nothing, basically, uh, from the first inning on. So um, that, that at least is something. But, yeah, I mean, there, there's too many glaring holes on this team where you, you think to yourself, you know, like they, they don't really do many things well. The, the one thing that they were supposed to do well, hit with power, they haven't even done that all that well this year. And I, I don't know. 
I don't want to blame Aaron Boone for the lineup because I don't know that he makes out the lineup. If he does, obviously he's the... Whoever, if it's a computer program, I think you're being hacked. I, I think the Yankees as an organization have been hacked. If it is true that, you know, that they have the, uh, the lineup comes up uh, from a computer somewhere in the bowels of the state. I mean, how in your right mind could anybody... If, if, if a computer printed that out, right... And you were the, the manager of the team, and you're taking a look at it. Oh, Mayhew, Torres, Odor. Oh, ah, that, something's wrong with it. Shut it off. Turn it back on. Unplug it. Unplug it from the wall and plug it back in. I don't know what you have to do. Reboot it. Start the hard reboot. Control, alt, delete. And hold those down. And if you, uh, you know, reboot it, and the lineup comes up with Rubnit Odor batting third again, you take the computer like Ron Swanson, and you toss it in the dumpster. I mean, how? I just don't understand it. I don't understand. This is a guy, again, keep in mind, this is a guy who the Rangers paid to walk away. And, I mean, further proof that the Yankees, uh, the, the salary tax threshold is king. They picked him up because they're not, they don't have to pay him anything. But that doesn't mean you have to bat him third. <laughs> that doesn't mean you have to bat him third. Rubnit Odor, third. Wow. Wow. Uh, let's go out to uh, Ernest is in Brooklyn. Ernest, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hey, how you doing? Love your show. Thanks, um, I'm a Met fan, but okay. looking at the Yankees, they need to be torn up from the ground up. And here's why I say that. The, the main problem, uh, the announcer said yesterday, you have a man on second base, they don't know how to just hit to get on base. It's swing for the home run, and that's it. They don't know how to bunt. They're not athletic enough to steal bases. And on top of that, uh, they can't even um, – the pitcher is throwing outside the zone, and they're stretching out trying to hit a ball that they have no business even trying to. They need to get assistant coaches that want to show the basics. This lineup, they need to get rid of this home run crap. If you can't hit the home run, you hit a you hit the ball to get on base. They only think of trying to hit a home run. Well, they're Ar- never going to win anything the way they're doing that. Look, they could be, and thanks for the phone call. They obviously are not a fundamentally sound team, right? There is a lot of areas for that, but this idea that well, you know, you just can't hit the home run all the time. Unfortunately, that is what baseball has kind of become. Um, now, with the new rules put in place and the extra innings, it just kind of um, highlights. Uh, the Yankees' weaknesses in certain areas. That is true. Um, but, um, you know, th- th- if you take a look and the criticism of strikeouts as well, the Yankees actually are not striking out nearly as much this year as they have in the past. And I, I have not checked it in the last uh, couple of days, but I believe uh, the team that has struck out the most this year is the Tampa Bay Rays. So it- it's almost like strikeouts is not, you know, the number of strikeouts that you have as, a, as an offense is not really a good indicator of whether or not you have a good offense or not. Uh, you, you can, uh, you know, every team strikes out a ton now. And almost, you know, uh, certainly a lot of teams have far more strikeouts than they do hits. It's just kind of the way that um, the baseball has gone about. But no, I mean, in terms of, of how the team is constructed, yeah, I mean, you'd have to kind of say to yourself, well, maybe it's time we go back to the drawing board and start figuring some stuff out. Unfortunately, you know, in the short term, because of the, the, um, the um, restraints that the Yankees are, are putting on themselves, I just don't see how that's possible. And some of the biggest issues 
th- there's no way out of them, right? Like the, the Stanton issue is, is one that you will have for a long time. And, you know, Mike, uh, the, the, the board up, Mike uh, brought up a good point there in the break. You know, imagine if the Yankees were to uh, get to the World Series. Are you saying that, that Giancarlo Stanton would essentially have to sit out three or four games of the series because you cannot put him in the outfield? It's shocking to me on a day. Well, it's not really shocking because I know this now, uh, but it should be shocking, I guess, that uh, in a day where the Yankees are watching their season slip away, they are deciding to give Aaron Judge a, a rest, even though they were off both Friday and Monday, that they can't put Giancarlo Stanton in the outfield for even a game because clearly they're too concerned about him getting hurt again and that he's been hurt so often that their, their fear, they're just simply petrified of putting him out there and, and, and having him stand in the outfield or, 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 and, and get hurt. I mean, there's no other, what other reason can you possibly have? They've said they've not ruled out playing him in the outfield. Well, you might not have ruled it out, but if you're not playing him in the outfield either game against the Phillies where you're resting Aaron Judge in one of them and you have Rugnit Odor batting third, uh, I think that that kind of, you, you're kind of telling us that you're ruling it out. You're kind of telling us that you're ruling it out. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. You've got the Nets continuing their series today against the Bucks, and uh, we'll touch on that in just a second. You know, I just wanted to finish the point on the, the you know, anytime the Yankees, things go wrong, and it's been a lot this year, uh, the, the, the automatic go-to is always about analytics. you got to take that computer and throw it in the garbage and – Look, any computer that tells you the lineup today, I, I get that. Uh, I think it's almost it almost to me is like when people are upset about video replay, especially like in the NFL. You got to get rid of all this replay. Well, if you actually did that, you'd make the situation far worse because then you wouldn't have any any way of, of correcting the egregious call, which is supposed to be the reason why any sport brings in video replay. It doesn't turn out that way. But I think if you got rid of it altogether – Yes, clearly. But you, what you have to do with the video replay is to accurately look at it and then base the decision on what you see. And a lot of times with video replay, that's not the case or they're trying to figure out to the, to the nth degree of what actually took place in the game. When video replay, every time they bring it in, well, you know, we can't have these egregious calls. Of course, you don't want to have an egregiously blown call in any sport where – Somebody sitting on their couch a thousand miles away and they can see it's wrong. You have to have some sort of device to be able to correct those blown calls. So in terms of analytics, I wouldn't say that that you should get rid of them altogether like a lot of fans want to see. Because, again, the teams that are successful in baseball right now, they're all they're all analytically driven. There's a reason why the, the smart teams are doing this, like the Rays, like the Dodgers, like the Padres. All these teams, they're all focused on analytics because... You, it gives you an edge, but you have to actually be taking the numbers and reading the numbers correctly. And I think clearly, um, at least so far this year, the Yankees have not been able to do that. All right, let's get into the Nets because uh, they got a big game for today. And even though we all expect that the Nets are going to have a very deep playoff run, I think a lot of us expect the Nets to win the championship this year. I don't know how many actual big games they are going to have. I think that that's been a question the entire, even before the playoffs began. Like, do you see the Nets getting to that point where they got their four, a must-win kind of game? And I don't think today is a must-win kind of game, but at least it's in the ballpark of a must-win kind of game because if you are to lose game four, 
then all of a sudden it's a, it's a best of three series and you are in a series. If you win today, you're up 3-1 and we all kind of feel like the Nets have kind of controlled this series so far and that game three was kind of fluky. Now, I'm not a Nets fan, but it almost sounds like an excuse. Well, it was a fluky win. Well, they scored 11 points in the first quarter. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, I believe, were 20 of 50 in the game. Joe Harris was one of 11. They scored 83 points. Uh, They went to the line eight times. Milwaukee went to the line 19 times. Milwaukee got like 80% of their scoring from like two guys. So yeah, it does does seem like that was kind of a fluky kind of game. Now, the Bucs are not going to give it back because it puts them at least theoretically back in the series. But game four is the tipping point. And I think the Nets are going to go out there and, and prove that they are clearly the better team, which they have been. But I will say, as much as it does feel like Game 3 was kind of a fluke, and I expect the Nets will go out there and control things today, the other thing when we came into the playoffs, at least I did, and I think many people did, felt like, well, how would a team, it's very hard to envision this Nets team being beaten four times in seven games, and it still feels that way. But if you're, you're talking about how can anyone stop the big three, well, at least for one game, you, you kind of got that blueprint because you had Kevin Durant. Now, I don't think this is going to carry over, but Kevin Durant really could not score uh, as much as he could have in that fourth quarter, even though he finished with 30 points for a good stretch of that fourth quarter where the game was tied and the Nets had a, had a chance to really put the pressure on Milwaukee. They continually miss shots. Durant continually missed shots. Now, he got a, a little bit better uh, deep in the fourth quarter, but he really could not score like Kevin. Dur- you would expect Kevin Durant to score. So that was one. Kevin, uh, Kyrie Irving really couldn't be found. I mean, he, he did nothing in that fourth quarter. And then, of course, you had James Harden that didn't play. Now, Harden's not going to play again today. I have not seen an update. Have we gotten an update on Jeff Green yet? It seemed like there was at least the possibility that he might be back and would give you another guy who might be able to you know, foul Giannis and, and send him to the line. So we'll, we'll get uh, an update on that moving forward. But, uh, yeah, I think the Nets are, are clearly the better team in this series, mainly because I think the Nets are really good, and mainly because I, I don't think that Milwaukee is all that good. You know, for all the talk about them remaking their team so they can have a deeper playoff run, you just take a look at when the Nets have their guys on the floor, and they haven't had one of the big ones on the floor, but even without him, and he, well, even when Joe Harris is just performing, you know, like he should perform outside of the one for 11. I mean, they're just a better, deeper team than Milwaukee is. So uh, I think the Nets go out there and win today. But again, game four is the tipping point. If they want to um, put this series away quickly, I I do kind of worry about sometimes things have come so easy to the Nets that I don't feel like they've ever really felt pressure so far this year. And if they ever did get into a pressure situation, yes, they're very talented, but as a group, they've never faced that before. How will they respond if they ever did find themselves in that spot? You'd have to say if they lost game four today, that's about the most pressure they will have faced this entire season. I will say that. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Back to the phones we go. We'll go to uh, Stephanie as in Rosalind. Stephanie, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Hey, love the show. Thanks for having us on. It's Bob, but I'm driving, so I'm going to have my son chat because he's a basketball wing. What are we doing over there? Um, Yeah, we just wanted to talk about the Nets game plan going into today. Okay. Uh, So clearly they've been giving Giannis the three. They've been backing off him. But 
I'm a little confused watching the games why DeAndre Jordan hasn't gotten any time to protect the rim. Like, Claxton's been good, but I feel like DeAndre Jordan could be a better piece for them to have in the lineups, at least at certain points in the game. I just wanted to know what you thought about that. Well, I, I think that, you know, thanks for the phone call, whoever that was. I don't think that was – I think Stephanie was the other person. I don't know who that, the guy was. Or maybe it was – Stephanie was his mom. Stephanie okay, was well. his mom, but she was driving, so her son I was gotcha. talking. I gotcha. Well, she shouldn't have been on the phone at all then if she was the one driving. We're very, we're very, it's a dangerous show here we're conducting. Um, just in terms of uh, DeAndre Jordan, well, I mean, he really has not, has he played at all? I mean, he has not played in a very long time. And, you know, just kind of defensively, the Nets kind of like to switch on pick and rolls. And that's not, you know, he's, he's a guy that's going to struggle to go up against the, the smaller guys. Um, and I just don't think that at this point, He's not an offensive threat at all, right? I mean, outside of maybe, you know, alley-oop dunks and stuff like that. So uh, I don't know that there's really that much of a, uh, a point for him in this series. Now, look, maybe if he if the Nets do move on and, and face off against the 76ers, maybe then um, he, he gets a chance to take part in the series. But I don't see him really being a, a factor here. And, and I, I don't think that he's... I don't think that he's played all that much. You know, they got, uh, when was it that they got LaMarcus Aldridge? And I know they didn't have him for very long, but wherever they got him, uh, it's he has not really played uh, all that much. I'll go take a look at his game log, but I, I don't feel like that DeAndre Jordan, and that to me would, would seem to be, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a kind of move you make where you're, you're, you're looking for answers, you're looking for something. I don't know that necessarily the Nets need to really change things up all that much. Boy, if this is the, you know, we got calls uh, in the late show with, with Larry ESPN New York tonight about focusing on uh, on Blake Griffin. We got uh, this call now. We got to get DeAndre Jordan in the game. If this is the way the, 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 the Nets fan is going to react after one loss by three points in the most fluky game you'll ever see, boy, the pressure on them, they might be the ones feeling the pressure. They might be the ones feeling the pressure. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. The other thing that I did notice, and I think rightfully so, the, uh, the Kevin Durant security guard, he is not going to be attending any further games in Milwaukee. I think that that's, prob- that's probably the right call. Yeah, I think that was a very odd scene. That was, that's one of those ones that nobody really kind of, you all saw it. We all saw it, but we, I mean, you didn't put it together. Like, who's that guy? And then when you find out who that guy is, you think to yourself, what is going on here? Maybe that's what, maybe if, if, if uh, DeAndre Jordan can get to Kevin Durant's security guy and then the security guard, can he can put DeAndre Jordan in the game or do something to Steve Nash to for, maybe that's a way he can get into the game. I don't know. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, it is what it is, people. Uh, and uh, at this point, you'd have to say the Yankees, this is just who they are. You can't be surprised by it anymore. You can't, you can't be like, well, when are they going to wake up? Clearly, they're not going to wake up. And, and at this point, if they do wake up, you will be justified for, for not thinking that they will wake up. Because what, what you've seen through 60 games so far this year, and really what you saw last year as well. I mean, this is kind of a continuation of that. And it, it seems like the returns are slowly, uh, they're, they're certainly not as good as they have been, right? Diminishing returns, I think, is the term that I was looking for there. And um, that, that, that has been the story uh, of the Yankee season, and uh, it continues to be. So we'll see if uh, Domingo Herman is able to work his way out of trouble once again. 
Mets, they have a, uh, right now, trailing the Padres 1-0 as they play. Now moving to the third inning over at City Field. Mets going for the sweep there. We got the Nets, as we talked about them earlier. We got the Islanders coming up at 2.30. And uh, still lots of stuff to do. 1-800-919-ESPN. You know, I did want to kind of get into a little bit of the, uh, the drama between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I guess we'll save that for the top of next hour, the, the whole thing. And it, seem, it seems like you can't go a week or two. And maybe it's because there's just such a focus on Aaron Rodgers because he's such a great quarterback. We want to kind of feed that. We want to go to that, uh, that um, content tree over and over again, looking for any little piece that we can continue the conversation about that. But it does seem very odd. Like for a Packers organization, you would think that their sole purpose at this point would be kind of, you know, let's patch things up. Let's work, smooth things over. doesn't seem like <laughs> if that is their approach, Seems that they're taking a very strange road to that approach. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go to uh, Eli is in Washingtonville. Eli, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hey, Gordon. Listen, I was just calling just to hear your uh, on-air apology to me and My on-air apology. Yankee fan. Uh-huh. Yeah, that uh, every time we used to call in, mm-hmm. talking about how Brian Cashel is a terrible GM, you'll back him up. Mm-hmm. And right now you're listing... Every single mistake that this guy has made yeah. in the Yankee organization, and that's right. not including. So, so it means that I am fair. I'm not just simply picking on a guy, and I just uh, I actually look at the evidence and I base my opinion on the evidence. Is what you're saying? Okay, so look at look at all the evidence that you just showed. Statin. You just went down the line. Yeah. Well, I said I said at the time when they made the Stanton deal, it was a bad move. Ty Butler, who roots against me harder than anybody in my life has mocked me since that deal because at the time, before the deal even happened, when the first rumors of that deal popped up, I tweeted out, hard pass. That was my first and only reaction to the Stanton deal. So I've never been on board. Ty Butler, I know you don't want to defend me, but you would have to say I was not a fan of the Stanton deal at the time. Correct? You were not. You first okay. guessed it. You first Thank you very it. much. Okay, Eli. So that one I've always been on board with. What else did I get wrong? All right, so the fact that he doesn't have a – he's never developed a pitcher or hasn't – Of course, I mean – A pitcher well, look, in the farm system. I will say this about his, his pitching calls. I think that a lot of times I have agreed with his calls, but they have clearly not worked out. Like Sonny Gray, that was a good calculated move. And you've seen Sonny Gray since he's left the Yankees. For whatever reason with the Yankees, it did not work. He was one pitcher with Oakland – and he's been one pitcher with Cincinnati, and he was a completely different pitcher with the, with the Yankees, and it did not work out for whatever reason. There have been calculated guesses that Cashman has taken on pitchers that should have worked. Now, there's some that were clearly going to be disasters from the beginning, right? Pavano was a disaster from the beginning. Uh, you know, we'll go through, you know, all the years of, of – I mean, there's been a lot of those. But there's been some, like uh, James Paxton. Thought that was a good calculated risk, but for whatever reason, that did not work out. So, no, I mean, it's been, it's been well documented. And I said, uh, in terms of uh, Jamison Tyone, that's going to be another one that's going to be on the list. All right. So, okay. now, now we go to, 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 the, to the field. Let's go to the field. He, he banked all, on, on, all his chips on Gary Sanchez. Which is a well, no, they didn't boss. bank all their chips on Gary he, Sanchez. He's a player that they had, yeah, they, they and Gary Sanchez has not really been the issue for the Yankees this year. I mean, he's one of them, but he's not been, like, the main one. Right, and then, okay, let's go with Torres. What do you say about Larry Torres? 
He's been terrible so far. Oh, wait a second. You think that Glaber Torres is one that everybody should have known? The Yankees should have moved off of Glaber Torres before this year? You, were, Eli, you were calling no, I, shows and it, saying it, it, that the Yankees on, should have moved off of Glaber Torres before this year? Oh, I'm saying, I'm saying that they that move to shortstop, getting rid of Didi, was a mistake. Didi was a great person for the clubhouse. But, but his defense has not been the issue. The the offense has been the issue. So you think him moving to shortstop that, he, that made him forget how to hit? Absolutely. He was focusing so much on the field when it came to his errors that right now he. But he hasn't really had any errors guy, lately. In the beginning of the season, he did it. He had like, oh, I don't even know how many errors. Errors is a bad judge. It, it's really more about defensive runs saved or something like that. But even just in terms of errors, yeah, his defense has not nearly been the issue that people have presented it as. Listen, it's, 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 and then, all right, fine. Let's go, let's go the, mo- the monetary route. Look, mm-hmm. at, look at the, the cap that the Yankees have and look at the cap that the Tampa Bay Rays have. Yeah. Like, how is a GM of the Tampa Bay Rays doing a way better job of developing teams than a, than a GM of a... Of a that's of a that's not even a question. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, I mean, the Rays are doing a better job than everybody. It's not just the Yankees. That's a bad, that's a bad, bad GM. Okay, so then, I mean, but, but Eli, based on that reasoning, every GM is doing a bad job compared... I mean, every, every team is doing a bad job compared to the Rays. Well, look, the Astros did a terrific job, you know, with, uh, with, with, with signing their, 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 right. their players. I mean, the right they're, players, they're, they're operating with a high, far, far higher pay. I mean, if, you're, if, we're, if, the, if the only acceptable answer is you have to be as good as the Rays, I mean, basically everybody's doing as bad a, a bad job then. Right, look, look, there are plenty look, of things that you can criticize done. Cashman over, and I've, I've criticized them over. I've criticized them over the, the managerial move. That was a mistake. I said that at the time. I said the Stanton move was a mistake at the time. I said that, you know, limiting your payroll to stay under the luxury tax threshold when you have a team that is supposedly in the win-now window that the Yankees are is a mistake. That's more of, a, of, a, of an ownership question than a Cashman question. I've been fair. Now, you, unfortunately for the Yankee fan, because they haven't won, when the, Yan- when the Yankees don't win or are not you know, winning titles, the Yankee fan, there's a good portion of them, that Eli is a good representation of this, they make it out like everything's bad. You know, the, the fact that the Yankees up until this year have gone to the playoffs pretty much every single year, the fact that they've been over 500 since 1992, you guys present it like every single decision that's made is a mistake and every single thing is wrong and Cashman's responsible for this. And, but you'd have to be fair, and, and this is one Yankee fans are going to like, maybe the Yankees have to be more invested in analytics. Because if you're saying, well, why aren't you as good as the Rays? How are the Rays being as good as they are? Obviously, they are understanding the numbers and constructing their team based on it. They have a flexibility that the Yankees don't have. So maybe that might be one area that they have to investigate and actually limit payroll even more. I don't think that, I think the Yankees, for me, have to get back to being the Yankees and stop trying to be the Rays. Maybe that might be an area that they should focus on after this season and get back to being the big, bad Yankees. You know, for all of Brian Cashman's talk about being a fully operational Death Star, uh, it doesn't look like the Death Star is operating at a very high level right now. But I will give Brian Cashman credit when he deserves it. Unfortunately, for a good portion of Yankee fans, they won't do that. You know, finding Gio Urshela, finding Luke Voigt. And they have developed players. Unfortunately, not enough. So there are areas for there are fair areas of criticism, and I've pointed those out. Unfortunately, for a good portion of the Yankee fans, 
they will never give any credit whatsoever because when things are bad or they're viewed as bad, everything's bad. Nothing's positive. It's all horrible. It's all a failure. And that, I think, is a little bit of a hyperbole. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN.